Hey, welcome to the Road and Morale podcast. Did you ever feel like screaming out in the office on Zoom or outside the school gate? For the love of God, come on, really? And if this is you and you're looking for an honest, fun and frank podcast on life and business, then sit back and listen to me, Rona Morrell. I'll be bringing great people on the show to talk, share and debate their life experiences and business challenges. Keeping the show unpolished, but with a fun and unique British style. With sarcasm, tenacity, or maybe a few swear words or tears. This podcast keeps it real, honest, raw, and removes the bullshit in the only way I know how. Through authenticity and getting shit done. Think of it less like the Housewives of New York or Towie with the lipo and drama, and more like the house lives of the real world. I hope you'll take something away to be better informed, laugh, smile, or maybe even finally get in the confidence to shout, come on really. So enjoy. Hi Lucy, welcome to the Rona Morale podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thanks Rona. How are you doing? I'm okay after a bit of a windy start dropping the kids off this morning, but I'm, I'm good. It is a bit rainy out there, not much fun. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Although it's beautiful and sunny here, so I'll, I'll take that. Um, so to the wonderful um, listeners, I'd like to introduce you to Lucy Rissick. Now, Lucy is the director and co-founder of Brotherhood of Brands, which we will talk a bit more about later, and also um, plays a critical role in a non-for-profit organisation called Women in Games. Um, and so we'll touch on that as well later. But um, in, a, in a nutshell, I guess, you know, there's around 46% in the whole gaming world that are girls and women um, that aren't reflected from a leadership and executive point of view. So we'll probably chat about that later and what you do. You previously worked at Children in Need, which is incredible. Yeah. And you've always worked in the electronic arts. And I have to confess right now, I never knew what EA stood for. <laughs> does that make me you know I'm 43 no, years of age that makes me sound really stupid I don't think they really talk about it it's, it's from really when they set up in the 80s and the reason is there's actually a real, real reason for this is that they wanted to make um, the artists, the people who actually make the games, very much like um, they are in the movie industry where people talk about the directors and the producers and things. And EA actually did it as in a way to kind of celebrate the people behind the games and say they're actually electronic artists. And Amazing. It was actually, it's actually quite cool. But no, I mean, very few people know it was called. Well, hopefully more people will know about it now. And, and it'll be like one of those memes when you go, what, what age were we when you found out EA meant <laughs> electronic art? Yeah. Um, so today, really, we're going to chat about um, how EA and gaming has kind of been a bit of a winner in lockdown in terms yeah. of growth. Um, talk about gaming and the impacts of um, women, specifically in children, but how you work in terms of brotherhood of brands and, and you're engaging brands with that gaming world. And those are really embracing it. And those that aren't. So hopefully if there's ever any brand directors or brands listening to this, we'll give them a nice flavour of, of the opportunity. Because correct me if I'm wrong, next year the opportunity is about 200 billion, the size of the, the market. Yeah. So next year the, the whole industry will have grown to about $200 billion, which is absolutely huge. I mean, previously in the UK, it's been a $5 billion industry anyway, for $5 billion industry. But it really has grown and across the whole of the UK. I think we've seen a 49% growth of the games industry during this year um, because of lockdown and people are looking for different ways of entertainment. And what's also amazing is actually the games industry 
has been able to carry on creating content through lockdown, which is very different to film and TV and all that sort of side of it that you see. Um, and obviously, like, we're all sitting there at home going through Netflix or Amazon or whatever, going, where's the next movie or the next thing? And what the games industry has been able to do is just carry on because if everyone can work from home. Yeah. Um, so it, it has definitely, I mean, you know, talking about being one of those kind of winners at this moment. Um, and actually, to be honest as well, jobs wise, if people are looking for jobs, there are so many opportunities actually in the games industry as well out there. And I would definitely recommend getting in and looking for all different jobs. You know, it's so not what sort of, let, let's make that real for, for right, some yeah. of the, no, 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 for some of the listeners. I mean, yeah. for someone out there who maybe has an interest in it or, you know, yeah, is currently yeah. being made redundant, what sort of opportunities are there? So I think there's everything. I think the problem is people look at the games industry as being this like 14 year old boy in a darkened bedroom. And it really <laughs> isn't that. What the games industry, as you mentioned, it's 46% female. Games industry is everything from a mobile, you play words with friends, you are a gamer, right? That's when people usually go, I'm not a gamer, I do Candy Crush. No, you're playing video games. And it goes from everything from that to, you know, the extreme of war games or, you know, first person shooters and then all the way to esports, you know, where people are making money for playing games. So the industry is huge as it is. But with, with that, there's also opportunities, and it really is, if you go on and you, you, you sort of look into, um, on some of the big publishers' websites, they, they literally will have um, opportunities from, from marketing to HR to finance to coding, uh, art design in a game to producing in a game, everything. I mean, there, so there are there are certain websites then that you could go on and search uh, specifically you know those of? There is, they, I don't know whether it still does all the full list, but there's one called gamesindustry.biz that used to always have tons of jobs on. And if not, there are some really big recruiters in the area. So Aardvox, Swift, Datascope, and there's probably some others that I've forgotten, but that, that sort of thing. But if not, I'd definitely go on to sort of the big publishers. So when I'm talking about publishers, I'm talking about like EA or an Activision or a Ubisoft, I'd go onto their websites because of everything that I'm seeing is coming up. And actually, it's a quick one. Um, women in Games... We have a LinkedIn group and we have um, a Facebook group. And if you go onto those, people right. post loads of jobs on them because they know there's loads of women out there who want to get into the industry and things like that. So great. So if we go onto LinkedIn, follow Women in Games oh, yeah, and then also on Facebook. Games, you'll find us on our group. Uh, to go into the group is the best thing. And there's tons of people there looking yeah. at because I think of my you know younger daughter who's sort of seven and you know I always say to her look you know six of the most successful unfortunately men in the world yeah. five of them all started coding and yeah. they have that skill set and she's really quite good at it so I'm trying to I'm trying to nurture that balance between in, encouraging her to do it and not be panicked about the amount of time she's spending on it I think it's it's a hard balance with that. And I think that you do have to obviously have a balance, right? So, you know, I do work in video games and actually my husband does. And we have a lot of video games in the house when I have kids. So, you know, I do understand the, the balance of everything. But I think with what I would say is that going and learning coding is a fantastic thing. And there are some great programs out there. And actually, I would recommend to you as well, there's not-for-profit called, I don't know, um, called Intergames. Intergames. Into Games. Right. And they uh, work with BAFTA quite a lot and they actually run a mental program and they take kids from about, it's a bit sort of 13, but if you very often kids do um, a coding course at school and then that, that they're left to it. And so what these guys do, and they, they do, they organize game jams for people to have a go, having a go, but they provide a very simple tool for people to be able to do it. 
and actually under 10 you can print off a sheet and write what you you think a game should be and awesome. enter a game jam which is really cute but they as i said they provide mentors um they do some amazing things with encouraging more young people into the industry and actually with women in games we've been working with them because obviously women are the big part of that and the only way we're going to get more women into the games industry is you know it's either bringing them from outside the industry or actually you know getting them young and also going let's do it it's cool rather than you know people yeah it's 14 year old boys in bedrooms so so tell me a little bit more about women in games and what what really the it's all about yeah, of course. Um, so Women in Games is a not-for-profit um, that is uh, all about, the mission has is to have equity and parity within the games industry for women. So we're very much focused on that. It's been going for about 11 years, but I think we're, we've now at such a great point. Um, we've got some amazing corporate ambassadors. We've just, and we have actually, we have individual ambassadors. We have um, over 300 in about 40 countries. Wow. There are women out there who are trying to spread the word and kind of encourage more women into the industry. Um, and we recently just did our conference um, at the beginning of September. So we usually have an annual conference that's a live event, like everyone does these days. And we turned it virtual. We had a thousand people register. So, and, you know, it was incredible. We did covered so much interesting information. We had stories told by people from within the industry. We did stuff about um, transclusivity because that's really important as well with how people are represented in games. We've talked as well. There's a one of our, our big partners at the moment is um, Gillette Venus, which sounds yeah. really random because it's 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 a, a razor. But Gillette uh, and the men's brands have been in the video games industry for a long time. And the women's side has sort of woken up and gone, yeah, 46% of women, as we said, play games. Let's do some. And what they've done is they've added... Um, some special skins into Animal Crossing that are all kind of like different skin types. And when I say that, you can have, you can make your character have like, say, eczema, like you might have. Yeah. And you can have, make your character have vitiligo or even, you know, tattoos or all sorts of different things. It's amazing. They've actually done it in a really, you know, looking at people with different skin conditions, disorders, you know, so people can embrace what you actually look like. And that's, it's amazing what they've done. So we got them to talk at the yeah. as well. And that's a and great, I, that's a great idea. Cause I think, I remember once when the girls were playing with Lego and one, and, and we'd broken one of them, one of the legs fell off. And uh, my youngest was like, oh, we're just, I can't fix this. We're just going to have to get rid of it. I went, well, if you lost a leg tomorrow, would I get rid of you? Yeah. No, let's just incorporate that as, as part of life it is just the way it is oh totally totally and i think that um what's really nice is this is that that it, it's actually happened but what i think is really interesting is the fact it's had to be someone from outside the industry that's come in and done it um and actually having this sort of non-game brand do it is really or encouraged to do it they've sort of got someone to make this stuff and i think that's interesting because it actually shows however much the video games industry is huge and it is bigger than the movie and the music industry combined wow that's that's huge. quite a showstopper <laughs> yeah that's it's big it's still got so much it's still like learning and you know it, it, particularly when you look at women in games like women aren't all built like lara croft so you know they're not what's really nice with this is also embracing women aren't built like that and there are games that are trying to do that and say do you know what people are all different things you know uh races sexes genders 
uh, they, they have different sexual orientations. And yeah. Last of Us 2 came out recently with actually a same-sex relationship in it, as yeah. both main characters. Fantastic. But, you know, and what's great with the Women in Games work is that we're trying to encourage more of this, this kind of in inclusivity um, and, and sort of, uh, you know, how can we help support people to, to, to do this? And actually, from my point of view, is that um, you're never going to get it in the game until you kind of look at your workforce too. So if the people making the game are all middle-aged white blokes, yeah. then you're going to get a middle-aged white blokes version of what a woman looks like, right? <laughs> in, the, in the game. So I think it's good to have a variety of people that are making the game or people that just kind of adapt things or look at things and sort of think, actually, do you know what? Women don't look like they are all on R&B movies or on Instagram, you know? men yeah. don't have video games there's no reason women should so why do you think there's this there's this kind of i mean we could argue that you know kind of females in exec roles is um yeah. massively underrepresented and yeah. not just women like you say disabilities colors creeds religions um but why do you think there's such a blocker in your industry i think it's probably been the actual the funnel so getting women into the industry, because there are some amazing women who are in very senior positions, without a doubt. And there are some women who've done some amazing things. But I think it's because, and I feel we need to do that, it's a massive education piece of people sitting there thinking, well, you know, it, it, games, oh, no. And, and maybe as well, to be honest now, there is a serious parental backlash against video games. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that perhaps parents... You know, we need to look at it and maybe you need, we need to be looking at it in a different way and going, look, this is a multi-million dollar industry. It's not going anywhere. No. Also, like, it's playground fodder. Like kids, and the, you know, it's watercolor moments for kids. Yeah. You know, and during lockdown, actually, it was a real positive because of, I know for my son, like, he's not the best at texting friends. I mean, he's 13. He's not the best at doing that. But he could go online and play with his friends. And actually, it's an incredible social tool sitting in your in your sitting room or your wherever. And that's what, you know, you need to, although we're all trying to protect our kids and everything else, but also embrace it for them as a tool to speak to their friends. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think we've gone from a world where, you know, you disappear at eight in the morning and come home at tea time and, you know, be on your bikes or at the park or whatever. And now it just feels like there's this, there's the dark side to the internet and the world of gaming and so you can't I think it's easy to say you can't protect them however you know go on I, I look at my eldest phone I'm on her Instagram I you know I say to Alicia if I hear her talking who are you talking to I'm talking okay. to such and such okay that's fine but yeah. when I went on and checked she had all these friend requests and people she had no idea they were so we deleted them no, I, I totally agree with you. So I'm, I'm with you. I have the same, as I said, I've got a 13-year-old son. I've also got a 14-year-old daughter. And without a doubt, we have, we have certain rules, which is, A, that there's a phone amnesty downstairs. Phones don't go to bed. Like, phones always stay downstairs. They get, and they don't seem to question that their phones charge downstairs, but ours don't. So I'm, I'm happy to live with that for a while. But the other thing is that ultimately, they can have passcodes. They're not allowed to change them. If they do change them, the phone goes, you know, it's, it, it's that kind of thing. And very much like you, you know, I go through Instagram not all the time, but you know, one of those ones going, and my feeling is you have to physically know the person or, or they'd have to be like, oh, it's my friend, Rose's friend, Lily, who goes the same, you know, there has to be a physical link. I'd have to know that you could go and see that person. And yeah. actually it works the same with games because of 
obviously they can play online on games and my son has the same rules on his xbox right to physically know the people to play with them anyone yeah. else and and we've sat there the other thing is we have his xbox downstairs like it's downstairs it's not in his bedroom and that's me personally i don't i don't want him to feel shut away so you know he's just around the corner from the kitchen if i'm cooking dinner i might pop in and see him or something like that but um that to me is really important that he can um we can still have that connection and i do you know what yeah. I'm looking at any moment and you know it'll be like who are you playing with i think yeah. those are important. the other thing that people talk i talk, see a lot about people talking about games and how they're not so good for the kids and a lot of people talk about anger issues with their kids i don't know if you've seen this yes yeah definitely like, and I realise that there are, like, there are definitely, I don't know whether you've seen the Netflix uh, thing recently about uh, the social dilemma. No, but it's on my plan for this afternoon. Definitely watch it, definitely watch it. It talks about the dopamine effect. And we were trying, you know, I had chats with my husband back then, do you think many of these games have that? And he said, well, the only one he could think of was, was like Candy Crush, actually. You know, you feel like you've got to keep to going. And I'm wondering whether there might be a slight bit of missing board. But the one thing I would say is that whatever you are doing as a parent, don't ever just walk in and turn the machine off. That is when you're going to get an angry child. You're better off just sitting with them and going, Let's, I'll watch with you till the end of this game and then we'll turn it off. Because the amount of people I know who go, no, I've just turned the Wi-Fi off. Oh my good God, no wonder you're gonna have um, yeah. like issues with your child. You've turned the Wi-Fi off, I'd be annoyed. Although I, I also find that, like you say, engaging with the tech yes. and having a go and trying to play it, and then they laugh at you because clearly you're quite crap. I mean, you you yeah, yeah, you're agree. in that game, but I find that's a good way to know what they're doing. So if they want an app or a game, I have to sit and play it first. So for ages, I wouldn't let my eldest have TikTok, and every time we sat down and watched something, it was like f this, f this, and I was like. <laughs> Hey, but I'm then I thought, you're going to secondary school in a couple of weeks, you're going to hear all these words, so I've just got to embrace and, and, and trust her with it, but I think, yeah. I think there is a certain element of trusting your kids as well, you know, and I, I think there, there's ways of being, you know, being present, and as you said, playing the games with them makes a difference, and actually with video games, a lot of parents don't seem to understand that the uh, age ratings are actually age ratings. It's not like a guidance. It's not like, oh, yeah, this game kind of works for age 13. No, it means 13 plus. Yeah. And that happens a lot. And, you know, you hear about, oh, yeah, no, I was playing GTA. And it's like this 10-year-old. And you're like, oh, God. So, you know, as parents, you do have to take some responsibility. And that's when it gets hard because you've got your kids going, yeah. well, this is a 13, but all my mates are playing it. And, and you're like, well, that might be all of your mates. But the reality is we'll sit down and have a look at this game. But I think that's 13 for a reason. Uh, no, totally. And I think, I think it's also us understanding what they are. So, like, if, uh, if you see a game that's a 16, it usually means there's blood in it. And that's mm. what turns it into a 16. Blood and swearing usually right, goes okay. from Your mild swearing and teen, but to go from... So that's why, I don't know if you've ever seen, you've got the Lego games, which you can shoot each other and the bricks just fall apart. They're very cute, but they, some of them are 12 because right. of, they fall apart and you can kind of shoot them. But it would be a 16 if there was blood. It's weird because we could, you know, we could sit here and watch something on TV and something fall apart or a rhino with its horn hacked off, you know, and that's yeah. real. That's real. Yeah. And you wouldn't necessarily hide that from, your ki from a kid. So I think that's why I get what you're saying. There's an age for a reason. But if I look at my child. Yeah, no. 
can she cope with something oh. falling apart or blood? Yeah. No, and actually, to be honest, you, you are very right. So I do think that, you know, maybe don't give an 18 game to a 10-year-old. <laughs> but, no. but I think there's a certain element of common sense. I mean, you know, being a parent, <laughs> there's always a certain element where you sit there and you, you assess things. But I think it's key is just like embracing the technology, embracing the games, as you said, having a look, playing it with them, seeing what they're doing. And I think as, as adults now, we're, our history and our parents' history has always been getting out, being active and all of this. Whereas if I let my youngest, she would literally sit on it from the moment she woke up shoving brioche in her face till <laughs> the end of the day. And she would. And she only plays robots and Minecraft. Lesson. But she's absolutely obsessed. And when we talk about anger, it's not, it's not that she becomes more angry. It's the attitude that comes to, right, you've got 10 minutes, you've got five, you've got two, switch it off. Oh, yeah, but rah. And you're like, that's the fear. It's that, that's that's that addictive. No, no, it is. I think there is an element. I mean, don't get me wrong. They do. There are certain games which have different things built into them. I think it, it is hard, I, you know, and I don't think there's an easy answer to any of this either. You know, I think it's very much us kind of going as parents. I think that the time I don't like it is when people don't look at any of it or just will switch something off. I mean, I've always been like you. I've always done the old countdown thing. Um, <laughs> give some time, let them know what's going on. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think it isn't easy and, and bless her, you know. It's, I also think it's great because I'm in many ways, sorry, but it sounds like you've got a real girl gamer on your hands and isn't that exciting and you know someone that potentially is going to go into the industry and it is for sure <laughs> no 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 because because to be fair i do talk to her about that and sort of say you know this could be a career for you and you know why don't we look at maybe getting some more coding stuff and but um yeah i guess look it's it's a huge topic and everyone's parenting is, is very very different but as you say it's such a massive industry and it's such an influence on our children Gaming and social media is just huge. So yes. I guess flipping it on from that, um, yes. you obviously as a director and co-founder of Brotherhood of Brands, what, what made you create that company? What was the opportunity and how are brands doing it really well and which ones really aren't or recognising the opportunity? So um, I started Brotherhood of Brands about a year ago. Um, I was still working with EA up until that point, and I left, um, set up the company um, with, with actually a business partner at the time, although he's since left just because of, we had some contact, very much like everyone, we had some contracts go for coronavirus. So he got an opportunity elsewhere, but I decided this is really what I want to do. But what it is, is that um, I've worked in the brand partnership industry for, 10 plus years, 10 years, um, mainly focusing on video games. And it's something I've realized I really love. And I think as I've kind of moved through my career, I've developed my thinking, my way of doing it. And I think that's what I really wanted to go off and do with Brotherhood Brands is kind of, I, I was, I, you know, I wrote a strategy for our, our team in um, EA and I was like, no, this is, this is almost like my, I was like doing it, I was going, this is, this is pretty much like my, my mission or something, I should be doing something with it. And I was lucky enough to, when, when I left um, EA, EA stayed as my client. So um, I was working on Need for Speed with EA and I took that with me when right. we left um, and um, managed to finish off some, some amazing partnership projects with that. 
and, and what this was to do with as well. So I have a strong belief in relevance and authenticity. So yeah. it's the, the key and I, I, um, to partnerships. And you see a lot of brand partnerships. Uh, film companies are really bad at doing this, and I have to say, where you see um, a film slapped onto a washing powder or kitchen. And you go, why? And you sort of go, would and to me, it's sort of saying, like, you don't know your audience. What is it saying about you? And if you're expecting, you know, it doesn't say anything to me. What are you doing? You're just doing it because you want the numbers. So the way I, I look at it about is actually it's not necessarily about that big numbers. You can do the big numbers, but do it in the right way. And the, what it's actually to do with is getting to that relevant audience. We all consume media very differently these days. Yeah. We are very honed in to our own kind of personal space. I mean, your Facebook feeds, your Instagram, everything is actually solely for you these days. No one else has the same. So we, if we're looking to go into certain audiences, we need to make sure that we are talking to the brands that they listen to or talking or engaging with and, and really sort of putting ourselves in there. So what we did for Need for Speed was Need for Speed's got an, had an average age of um, player of 35. Right. And they realized that obviously they want to bring that down because of, you know, you want to keep getting new players in to enjoy the game. And so what we did was we, we look at sort of culture inside the game, culture outside the game. Um, culture is usually made up of different fashion art and music. So uh, we had, there was a music team that went off and, and sort of did the music, but I got involved with putting fashion into the game. So right. we had 14 different streetwear brands put into the game. We worked with, End Clothing, who are a big male uh, streetwear brand, who are fantastic. But we ended up with everything from Adidas Originals to Marcello Boulogne to Givenchy to Rick Owens, Kappa. I mean, it was a fantastic mix. And we put them in. We did a shoe deal with Puma that was in the game. The shoes, and you can character can wear it, and then it lives outside the game. And then we also got to do some amazing stuff, like work with some street artists. Okay. So. We took the car that's on the cover of the game. We got it all modified. So it looked amazing. And then I got a street artist to paint it and we exhibited it at Art Basel, which is the big you know, art show yeah. in Miami. Yeah. And what it does is it shows, you know, virtual to real, but also like video games living outside. You know, this is living ga games living in culture. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate. I really love what I do, as you can tell. Um, but there are some amazing things going on at the moment. I must admit there is... Um, I think what's really interesting is the big fashion houses and how they're starting to embrace video games. Right. So League of Legends, oh, about six months ago plus, worked with um, Louis Vuitton. We've got uh, Gucci are now in bed kind of thing with Fnatic, who are an esports team. Yeah. Really interesting. And then this week, um, I don't know if you saw, but obviously it's London Fashion Week, and Burberry uh, did their fashion show on Twitch, which is the game streaming platform rather than yeah. anywhere else. And I think that's really, it's great. The shift. Yeah, they're really embracing it. And I find it amazing when... Do you think COVID in a way has forced more brands to think of virtual gaming, all the opportunities? Yeah, totally, totally. I think, I mean, you know, and I think they're sort of really realising, actually, you know what? these things are in people's houses and they're playing them. Why are we not in there? And I mean, during um, the lockdown as well, Travis Scott did some, an amazing concert inside Fortnite. So you're suddenly seeing it talked about a lot more in press. Right. And I think people are sort of going, oh, hang on a second. And I think people are starting to realise video gamers are actually consumers as well. People who play video games don't just play video games. They buy fashion. 
and they buy stuff and exactly they're more of a rounded person so I think relevance is is massively important I've seen many kind of brand connections and things over the years in, in in my career history and you've just gone that doesn't make any sense why why would you go down that route what's it what's it talking about what's it saying about so it is frustrating so if if there was kind of brands out there listening and and industries what's the biggest opportunity that you could say to them you know look you need to have this as part of the marketing mix what what is it totally totally so i the theory is right now if you do not have a video games strategy in 2020 it's like having not having a social media strategy in 2010 the games industry is only going to increase it's only going to get bigger so i would 100 percent actually be looking at the games industry yeah Um, this year we've got two next gen consoles coming out playstation 5 and the xbox um series x coming out in november it's going to be a huge resurgence but also they're the only ones making content at the moment right really i think there's huge opportunities and you know what as i said it's so diverse you are making a specialist product without doubt there is a an audience for it within the games industry who would be there and i think sometimes brands look very linear Mm. and they see things that are right in front i mean you you must have seen over the years as well i remember working with different um movie companies or whatever and studios and they'd be like no no we're only going to do this if you do magazine advertising as well and i remember thinking my good god that you know yeah. what about digital we can do all this on social and that and this and they're like oh no we want you to do that you know and you think you're 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 just looking at it in backwards you need to be looking forwards and looking yeah. at what else is out there so no, no. absolutely it's it's <laughs> It's, it's quite scary. I mean, even, even if I'm self-reflecting now, and I think with some of the clients I work with, would I have necessarily thought about that as a, uh, as a strategy? Um, probably not, if I'm honest. I've worked with clothing and lighting and drinks and all sorts. But I suppose reflecting back on my um, days with, with, with Red Bull, of course, you know, that's something that they did. They created content and they've done all of that. Red Bull's fantastic. They've really embraced the games industry, to be honest. They've done loads. I've worked with Red Bull uh, at different points as well. So Red Bull's an anomaly company on its own, though, isn't it, really? I mean, the amazing stuff that it's done, it's so diverse. Yeah, but it's kind of saying, it's a bit like the the stat that you just meant, like not having it in 2020 is like not having social in 2010. It's how do you how do we change the mindset of the commercial and the marketeers in the industries to say this is a genuine opportunity for consumption for awareness brand loyalty all of those things that they all get marked on and you know sit there and try and try and achieve so what would be the best way of starting that journey if i'm a brand manager now where do i pick up the phone and go how do i make this happen obviously (laughs) obviously No, but um, do you know what? I think it's it's having a little look out there. I think it's probably, you know, going to the games press, seeing what's going on. Um, but I, I think it's it's kind of, it is sort of embrace, having a look at, look at the top 10 games, see how much they're selling. Also, that will show you how big an industry it is and everything else. Video, the game is the most loyal audience you'll, you'll have. I mean, they're, they're also, I mean, they like to bitch and everything else, but they're very loyal. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's probably, you know, it's going out there and learning a bit more. It's going out there and, and getting advice or whatever. And I know it's very simple, but, you know, 
I know I'm someone I love learning. So I, I love um, learning about new industries and everything else. And I know when I do, I kind of absorb myself in. So, you know, it is look at, I said, look at their press, look at influencers. Yeah. Learn a little bit about esports. You know, there are tons of webinars out there as well about things. There's tons of, um, you know, information. Even younger, there's some amazing, um, you know, university courses now about video games. But I think okay. it's the absorbing yourself in that world. Um, and I think but, it's like you say, it's just it's just being naturally inquisitive and yeah. you know just asking questions and finding out because you know as as a as an owner of a product or even you know even a service, yeah. you'll soon find where your relevance fits when yes. you start investigating. Totally, you're right. You're right. And I think that it's very easy to go, oh, you know, this is the biggest, we should do it, as we said, but it's not always about, oh, yeah, we should all be in FIFA, because you're not going to write necessarily get the right audience, you might be better off going, you know, looking for, for a different path, a different game. I mean, look, I'm someone when I do partnerships, what I do is I like to marry up values. So right. I work at a brand's values. What, what do you believe in? You believe in global sustainability. Right. So let's look for those games that also have those values. Yeah. And that's what I do sort of the opposite way. I start it with a video game, go, right, what are, what are the game's attributes, the values and everything? And we find brands that work with them. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the best way of doing it. That's where you get your relevance. Okay. And, you know, you kind of, you can see and go, right, no, there is reasons why we're working for this, that and the other because of marrying those ones. Definitely. So with the success of um, the global <laughs> pandemic in the, on the world of gaming, doesn't it? Um, but you know what? Let's celebrate that because we, you know, there's a lot of negativity at the moment, and and it's it's really tough out there. So it is, it is. And I think that look at the positive side. What could this mean for the future of awareness of the gaming industry? Are you excited by that? Yeah. Oh no, totally excited. And I think it, it will massively help the industry without a doubt. I mean, I think you know, probably more people have played games. Actually, do you know what the pandemic did? Is it started people on small games like things like Kahoot. Did you right. Kahoot quizzes? No. Right. You, but no, no, but basically we did it as a family of four. We all chose a quiz. We yeah. all did a quiz, made our own quizzes up. And there's this amazing game called Kahoot, which, and they use it actually in schools as well. And it's like a multi, you know, multiple choice type quiz, but you can create little quizzes for each other and share them. And I think cool. it's those things that have come out from the industry where you kind of gone, Oh, look, there's that, which that will keep us entertained. We'll make a quiz. Or there's another one called Jackbox, which you can even do on your PC, which is right. similar. And you can do sort of, it's like ad libs type thing or, you know, do little games. And I know um, we played tons of the Ellen Psych game as well. Which right. is, again, you know, what does the, could, do you think this word means? Or, and I think maybe what it is, is this for a very casual family market will mean it starts trickling in. It's so kind of a moment of discovery, doing, isn't it? Yeah, people will start doing, going, actually, you know, I think hopefully what it will mean for the future is people are, are embracing video games more. And they're seeing that actually, A, there's this side of it, which is that kind of lovely family games. We can do family game night together. And let's face it, we're all bored of playing the same Monopoly, or I don't know if your house is. We've gone through the board games quite a few times. Um, still classic, don't get me wrong. It's always good. But, you know, um, to have something different... And, and then it's also hopefully people have realised it's a massive social tool. But well. I think as well, it's, it's interesting what you said at the very start around, we have this impression of, you know, teenagers locked in their room with a pile yeah. of laundry and dirty cutlery and whatever. And actually, I think what 
this last six months has done has forced us in a way to engage and look at other opportunities and because of that more parents have become more engaged and they've educated themselves more. You're very more. right, Rona, you're very right. And actually, even my school, my son's school set him as his homework for PE during lockdown was to play Just Dance. <laughs> okay. I love that. He, him and his sister had moved everything aside and spent a whole afternoon doing Just Dance. And, you know, that's great. They're a bit of exercise and they're doing something fun. Exactly. And I, and I think nice. the more people that can kind of connect with that and... Um, be it from a school if the school start doing it there's the worry that oh it becomes uncool but actually if if a teenager or a child feels understood and connected yeah. with its peers whether that's education or parents and then suddenly it's not this kind of dirty thing or naughty no. thing that they do in a corner it's just everyday life oh totally totally but no i'm 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 really positive for the games industry and as i said you know we had this amazing conference with women in games um, at the beginning of September and it's just amazing to see so many people engaged and it was so lovely to see so many women engaged and you know just looking to try and do more of that get more women in and definitely well listen I'm I'm super excited about um the opportunity I mean I was I'll be honest I was blown away when I you know when I heard you say kind of it's bigger than music and film put together there's a 200 million dollar opportunity you know, nearly 50% of all gamers are girls and females. So there's a hugely positive world there for anyone who has daughters. Um, and, you know, let's open our eyes a little bit more, I oh, guess, totally. and, and kind of go with the flow, be the uncool parent and try and play the game and, and whatever and have the mickey taken out of you, which I do on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, listen, I wish you the very best of luck with Thank Women you. in Games. Um, I'm sure it'll be a huge success and it'll certainly continue to grow. Um, when we launch the podcast, obviously, I'll, I'll put any, any details that you need on there. But um, as you said, we can find you on Facebook. We can find you on LinkedIn. Yep, um, totally. And uh, yeah, if there's any final words of wisdom or advice you'd like to give the, the listeners, no, do I have any more wisdom about it? I don't know. Um, I think, as I said, it's just embrace it. Definitely, as you said, I think embrace technology. I mean, the more we shy away from it, the more, you know, we, we, we get scared of it. So I yeah. think, you know, particularly with video games, do sit down and play Fortnite with your kids. It's actually quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> I will do. Well, mine aren't there yet, but um, I've certainly so, had a go. Minecraft. <laughs> awesome listen lucy have an amazing weekend and thank you thank so you. much for coming on today i really appreciate it take care thanks a lot rona take care bye bye so that's it you've made it the show's over thank you for being with us i hope you've been able to take something away maybe solve a problem or just know you're not alone here's hoping it made you smile with a few laughs along the way please feel free to find me on all social media channels and you can subscribe to my youtube channel just search the Rona Morale podcast. Have an awesome day and see you next time.